At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. Now, I made, I made the comment Sunday that um, we're in the book of Zechariah uh, during the week in Bible study, and I said we'll do it today and we'll do it next Wednesday and then come the first week in January that uh, I'm going to something else. But, but I'm going to have to stay in Zechariah a little bit longer because we're in chapter 9 today, and so uh, there's, there's no way I'm going to cover 10, 11... 12, 13, and 14 in, in two weeks. And I don't want to run through this. This, this study is so powerful, yeah. isn't it? It's so powerful. This is the first time that I have taught through the book of Zechariah <clears throat> in my life. I've pastored three churches, and I've never taught through the book of Zechariah. I've made references to it, but never taught through it like I'm doing now, Brother Mills. And boy, we're being blessed, are we not? So I want you to look at chapter 9 today, and the study is going to cover uh, chapter 9. And so I'm not going to read the, all these verses, but let me just read selected verses. Now, chapter 9, look at verse 1. The burden of the word of the Lord. The burden of the word of the Lord. Then look at verse 8. I will camp around my house because of the army, because of him who passes by and him who returns. No more shall an oppressor pass through them, for now I have seen with my eyes. Verse 9 and 10. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, a coat, the fold of a donkey. I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off. He shall speak peace to the nations. His dominion shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Um... Look at verse um, 16. The Lord their God will save them in that day as the flock of his people, for they shall be like the jewels of a crown, lifted like a banner over his land. For how great is its goodness and how great its beauty. Grain shall make the young men thrive and new wine the young women. Now, <clears throat> As you understand, the book of Zechariah has a two-level revelation. On one level, it speaks to us about what happened historically with a remnant of people <clears throat> who were blessed by God to return back to the holy city of Jerusalem after uh, the children of Israel had been in captivity in Babylon in the land of the Chaldeans for some 70 years. 
It happened when Darius was the king of Persia and Zerubbabel was the governor. That's one level. But on a higher level, the book of Zechariah is helping us to understand the movement of God in the bigger spiritual scheme of things, the movement of God, how God continues to move in the world as he is establishing his kingdom in the earth realm. And you and I, as the people of God, are blessed every time we study the word. I just said something. As the people of God, you and I are blessed every time we study the word, study the Bible. Our awareness of how blessed we are becomes more profound when we realize that we are in the story. Our problem <clears throat> as Christian people, or maybe a better term would be church people, is that we have a propensity to be religious, but not necessarily spiritual. Because you can, you can be religious and have no relationship with God. You can be religious and go through a ritualistic act but have no real connection to the Holy One. But being saved is about a relationship with God and a relationship that one wants to keep growing in day by day and year by year. And the purpose of discipleship development for which the church is called to lead people in is to help people to understand who God is. That's the whole purpose of discipleship, is to understand who is God and thereby to understand who I am in Christ. That's the purpose of discipleship. When, when I was unsaved, I did not know God. I didn't know him. And because I did not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I really didn't know who I was. I didn't know who I was. Before I was saved, something was telling me that you're not in a good place. I don't know if you know anything about that. See, some people get saved on church and then they act like they've always been saved. <laughs> <clears throat> but I haven't always been saved. And because I do know that I am saved now, I also am very conscious of the difference between my life now that I'm saved and what my life was like before I got saved. And before I got saved, there was a point in my life when I didn't know the Lord, but I knew something was drastically wrong with my life. And my options were not looking very good. And then the Lord saved me. 
that when he saved me, he changed my life. I'm changed, but I ain't got it all together. I'm changed, but uh, I'm not perfect. I'm changed, but I still have faults and failures. I'm, I'm changed, but I struggle. And when I came into the church, what the church sought to do for me was to help me to understand what this change was all about. That was what the church sought to do. The church said, Walter, now that you've made a commitment to Christ, this is what that commitment means. And this is what God wants you to do in terms of how you keep growing and how you keep walking in him. And then for my life, God kind of put me on the fast track because after he saved me, it wasn't very long after that that God called me to preach. And I, I didn't want to do that. I, I didn't. I, I told God, in fact, I told God I wasn't going to do it. I, I did. I told myself, I ain't going to do that. Because, see, I knew what my life was like before I got saved. I was just glad to be saved. But this thing about preaching and representing you before people, I told God, I said, my, my, my past is pretty rough. And, and I don't want to embarrass you or your kingdom. Pe people know too much about me. And, and I said, that ain't going to be good. I said, now, nah, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to worship. I help out on different things, but preach? Mm -mm. I said, God, I ain't going to do that. I ain't good enough. And God said to me, I'm not calling you to preach because you're good. I'm calling you to preach because my grace is sufficient. Amen. Hallelujah. You said amen, but I, I didn't say amen to God. <laughs> I told him I still ain't going to preach. In fact, I told God, I said, we can talk about anything else you want to talk about today, but this business about preaching, I said, we ain't going to talk about this no more. A strange silence came in my car as though God said, oh, really? it's going to be like that. God said, let's see. That's when I found out there's some fights you don't need to win. I lost that fight. It, even, it didn't even go 14 rounds. It didn't even go three rounds. He hit me with a right cross and a good uppercut. I was on the mat in the first round. <laughs> yeah. And from there, what God has been doing in my life is helping me to understand who he is, who I am in him, and what his purpose is for my life. I hope I didn't lose you. Mm -hmm. I just took that little transcript out of my life to let it be an illustration, a physical metaphor. Because let me tell you something. Every person that I'm looking at right now, if you're saved, if you're saved, and it's real, 
you have a story as it relates to God. Because I'm not looking at anybody right now and where you are now is where you started. Tell somebody, he's all in my house now. He's all in my house. <clears throat> and have you ever thought about where you met God? And what you were doing? <laughs> and what was going on? And then think about where you are today? That in itself is enough to make you shout till you tie up that pew. Come on, look at somebody say, he's brought me from my mighty long ways. And, and, and what is it that God has been doing in your life that he was doing in mine? Helping you to understand who he is, who you are in him. Because he created you. And the God who created you is the God who has redeemed you and wouldn't give up on you, wouldn't give up on me in spite of our faults and failures. And the Bible is a book that has the inspiration of God in it, wherein God says, I want you to learn this word so you can understand how the redemption story is being played out in history. I want you to see it. How the, redemptive, how the redemptive drama story has been played out in history because you are in it. Hallelujah. So the book of Zechariah is a book that is showing us the big picture, not just what God did with Israel in that particular time in history, but it's showing us the big picture. And chapter nine is a chapter where I've got a focus today, not on so much the historical piece of what happened to them in, at that time, but it's, it's really lends me to talk about it more in terms of the big picture. Because chapter nine is really a chapter in the book of Zechariah that, that, that Old Testament scholars would speak of more as apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic, you know, like Daniel, like the book of Revelation. Apocalyptic meaning its focus is on what? Last things. See, some people get caught up on the latest thing. But what's more important is not the latest thing, but what? Last things. How is it going to come to a conclusion? Uh, <clears throat> in, in, in chapter 7 and chapter, and chapter 8, you remember the focus was on fasting? The people there in Jerusalem, that remnant, uh, there were people who came back from Bethel, and, and they said, we see the temple going up. It's in progress, and now that the temple is going up, we want to know, should we keep fasting? 
Should we keep carrying out these spiritual rituals now that we, we see restoration is in the process back in Jerusalem, the city's being rebuilt, the temple's being rebuilt. Should we continue to fast and, and be involved in these spiritual rituals? And God was saying to them through uh, the prophet Zechariah is that I'm not so concerned about your abstaining from bread and wine. I'm, I, what I'm really more interested in is, in is in your abstaining from sin that fasting doesn't have any real meaning if it doesn't bring about any change in your life. See, the, the focus was on lifestyle. If God is restoring Jerusalem, what does it say about my lifestyle? What does it say about my social implications? That's what the focus is on, on chapter seven and chapter eight. But when you get to chapter nine, the focus is not really on fasting now. It ain't, it ain't about lifestyle. It ain't about social implications. But when you get to chapter 9, the focus is on events. Everybody just shout events. The focus is on events. The focus is on crisis. Events and crisis. The prophetic word here is saying to the people of God then, and it says to the people of God now that there are some events that are going to take place. And these events that are going to take place are going to be world-changing, not just life changing. Now, now make sure you, you're on board with me early. Okay, look at verse 9. I'm going to go skip down to verse 9 real quick. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, a coat, the foal of a donkey. Y'all see that? Now, this is God speaking through, speaking to the people through the prophet Zechariah back in history in Jerusalem when the holy city is being restored. But the prophetic word that Zechariah spoke to them was a word talking about something that was going to happen much, 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 much later on. So turn to the Gospel of John. <clears throat> turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 12. And I'm going to start reading with verse 12. John's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 12. <clears throat> Are you there? Now this passage is, is speaking about the triumphal entry of Jesus as he makes his last journey into the holy city of Jerusalem. Listen to the text. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, sat on it as it is written. As it is written. Now, as it is written where? In the book of Zechariah. As, as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. So that when you study the Gospels, the Gospels meaning Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that you will find the prophetic book of Zechariah being referenced to and referred to on several occasions in the Gospels. Jesus is making his last entry into the holy city of Jerusalem and the word, the prophetic word that describes his entry into the city was the word spoken by Zechariah to the people of Israel back in the day of his prophetic ministry. But what he spoke to Israel in Jerusalem at that time when the remnant was restoring the holy city was speaking of an event that was yet to be and an event that did what? Come to pass because the prophetic word does not go out and return void but it will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent forth. So that as we look at Zechariah chapter 9, this is a cinematic spiritual presentation. It is showing us the redemptive drama on big screen. When I go to the movies now, you know, and, and they show the previews, they, 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 they take something, you know, like one of the big pictures come out, one of the, 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 uh, the pictures that's real famous, and they, they, they show it on screen on a little thing, and they say, if you're watching this on this screen, you, you're doing yourself an injustice because this type movie has been made to be seen on the bigger screen. Right? Yeah, I just, I just went to see, took Sandra um, yesterday to see uh, Avatar, The Way of the Water. Take you a lunch and a dinner. <laughs> I have a new understanding of eternity. I was in there all day and all night. <laughs> I tell you the truth. I said, I don't care how it ends. Find the water, save the sun, kill him, well, however. But in this, <laughs> hallelujah. All right. But it's, and, and, the, and the, 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 um, the technology and the cinematic, the colors and all, uh, it's, 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 it's fabulous. It's on, on the big screen, you know. And, and, and so, so what, what, what God is showing us in Zechariah is like that. It's on the big screen, the redemptive drama. So, so verse 1, 
says, um, the burden of the word of the Lord. That phrase, the word of the Lord, is really a name of God. It's like a title of God, the word of the Lord. Let me tell you something, beloved. God and his word are inseparable. They are inseparable. God is his word, and his word is God. So this is an oracle. It is an oracle. And the oracle has to do with what God is getting ready to do as God the warrior against those who have oppressed his people. God is shutting it down. God is bringing it to closure. If you look at verse 8, verse 8 says, I will camp around my house because of the army, because of him who passes by and him who returns. No more shall an oppressor pass through them, for now I have seen with my eyes. God says, I got my eye on it. And he says, I ain't let nobody beat up my people anymore. Now, the people that God is getting ready to, to check, because God knows how to put you in check. The people he's getting put in check are not the big boys. We're not talking about Assyria. We're not talking about Babylon. We're not talking about Persia. We're not talking about Greece. And we're not talking about Rome. We're talking about other nations uh, like the Philistines, you see, who were a nemesis to Israel. They were always a thorn in Israel's side. But God says, everybody that's come against my people, I'm getting ready to shut it D-O-W-N down. That's the oracle of the word. God is moving out like a warrior king. The oracle of the Lord, the word of the Lord has been spoken <clears throat> to say that God's word is against you is to say that God is against you. Amen. To say that God is against you is to say that his word is speaking against you. And so that